Ladies and gentlemen, Ohio public schools want a four-day week. No Fridays. The rationale is that teachers are overstressed and really need a rest. I read this on an internet news service a week ago. My first thought was, that is so typical. They have a problem, but they won't fix it. Instead, they add new problems. Look closely at everything wrong in our schools, and you'll usually find that 10 or 20 or 30 years ago, there was a smaller version of the problem that could have been fixed easily enough. Hearing about the scheme in Ohio, probably everybody wonders the same thing. Who looks after the kids on Friday? The usual patterns will be disrupted. That's stressful for the whole society. The big question is why not identify the factors causing teachers to be stressed? Why don't we figure out what the problems are and fix them one by one? Oh, no, 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 that's just too easy and obvious. So there is a de facto war against teachers. Years ago, teachers were more valued and, and more protected. You have to take care of your teachers. That's just common sense. American schools grind them down and throw them away. I believe the dark truth is that our education establishment prefers mediocrity. They like things being confused and dysfunctional. That way, the country keeps getting dumber. Charlotte Isaby wrote her famous book, The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America, 24 years ago. You can read it free on the internet. Here's my summation and conclusion. There's nothing accidental going on in our schools. The left-wing professors in charge are getting the results they want. Okay, now going to the second story. A week before the Ohio story, I saw another big chunk of weirdness called Hide Low Books. This is where they create really simple books suitable for seven-year-olds, but market it for struggling 12-year-olds. Amazingly and sadly, this is a huge business because so few children can read at the level they should be reading at. Why is that? Please note that all phonics experts say that most children can routinely learn to read in the first year of their schooling, but the professors will not use what works. Instead, they make children memorize sight words. Fast forward to middle school, you have millions of children who are functionally illiterate. Now that's a problem. But if they don't teach children to read, the professors figured out, how will they brainwash them? One of the big goals these days is to make black children feel permanently scarred and bitter. This is arguably the purpose of CRT. Don't be surprised if we find a book with many pages but only a few words per page. One such book is titled Little Rock Nine, about the plight of a girl who cannot go to the local nearby school. Page five has a big picture and this brief text nine short lines. There was a school that was closer. It was near Linda's house. Linda wanted to go there, but she was not allowed. The school was for white children. Linda was African-American. She was not welcome. Now the students cannot actually read in most cases. 
but they can stare at the sentences for many minutes at a time as the teacher coaxes the student to pronounce the various words. But now the message is permanently branded on their brains. High-low books create the illusion that children are learning to read actual books. This provides protection to the education establishment. Kids can't read, but don't worry. The professors have figured out a cover-up. And one of my heroes is Siegfried Engelman, a great man, I would say. In this four-minute video, he explains how dyslexia is misunderstood and misrepresented and how virtually all children can learn to read quickly and painlessly. Public schools would be a lot more orderly and teachers wouldn't be so stressed if they would just let the children learn to read. Okay, thank you. Overview. Let's Fix Education explores seven of my favorite themes. First, this podcast is a meditation on what I call the K-12 crime scene. So many destructive ideas. Understanding them is the key to fixing them. Two, by doing that we will have better schools at less cost. Three, nothing much changes decade to decade. The big questions of the 1930s were the big questions of the 1960s and the 1990s. Any subject we discuss can easily intersect with any other subject. Most people instinctively want traditional education, but the education establishment fills classrooms with progressive gimmicks. The result is that we have a standoff, and that's why you run into the same ideas over and over. Four, the big brains in education keep telling students, don't bother memorizing this or that. You can look it up later. B.B. King, comma, the great guitarist, is much smarter. He said, the beautiful thing about learning is nobody can take it away from you. Five, Lennon's ghost wanders through our school system. The hard left thinks big. If they have to kill millions of people to build their perfect society, that's okay. Same goes for dumbing down millions of students. Totalitarians want power. They will do anything to get it. Six, if we are going to survive, we have to take each child to his or her limit. As it is, we are creating millions of sub-educated students from K right through college. 7. Analyzing education, especially dysfunctional education, is a lot more intellectually interesting than most people suppose. You'll enjoy this. Finally, P.S. My book, Saving K-12, runs parallel to everything discussed on this podcast. I also have an education site, improve-education.org, with 70 articles that complement everything discussed here. And I have hundreds of articles on the Internet. Enter a topic in Google with my full name, Bruce Dietrich Price, and let Google make suggestions. Thank you for visiting.